Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody, to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and this is part two of our conversation with Mr. Chris Young. I don't know how many of you guys know this, but I actually record the intros and outros for Sunday and Wednesday at the exact same time, one after another. So that really makes the outro for part one and the intro for part two really tough because you guys haven't heard all of the conversation. So let's get back to the easy part and let's check out part two of our conversation with our friend, Mr. Chris Young. So when did this desire to travel spring up? Was it around the same time? I mean, like you moved to Tennessee and then you moved to California, but when did you really start doing like big time international trips or like long term trips like that? So the desire to travel has pretty much always been within me. I mean, I I remember legitimately, I remember opening up a National Geographic magazine that my mom got for me and, um, and opening up seeing Machu Picchu because they didn't discover Machu Picchu like in its full capacity until like uh, late 80s or 90s, I think. And uh, I legitimately remember opening up that National Geographic, seeing this and being like, I have to go there. I absolutely have to go there. And I've done that so far, you know, so. You've gone to Machu Picchu? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Was it fucking amazing? It's amazing. On that trip, I was in South America for three months, three and a half months. Um, I had planned on doing about a month in Peru and had to fast track Peru because I, I spent so much time in Colombia. Oh, is it just because it was amazing um, there? I love Colombia. Yeah. One of my favorite countries. Shakira is from Colombia. Yeah. I'm Shakira, a big fan of Shakira. Her hips don't lie, man. They do not. Um, you saw the Super Bowl halftime show? Yeah. They definitely do not. Yeah. She's actually from Bed and Kia, which is actually kind of a, uh, I hate to say, I didn't go there, but from what, I, from what I've heard, uh, it's just over uh, overpopulated, kind of dirty yeah. um, city. Um, which some of those even are pretty cool. I've been to some dirty cities. I just enjoyed the hell yeah, out of it. I've been to New York City. It's beautiful. It's fucking <laughs> filthy. <Yeah. laughs> um, so the desire's always been there for me. Um, since I was a little kid, I talked about seeing the whole world. Um, it became reality from, ra- yeah, I told you rafting was a catalyst. Basically, the person I met that got me the job in uh, cannabis, I met there. The person that I met um, that got me traveling uh, was from there too. Kind of, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I just got back from four months in Central America and I, or South America. I was like, what? How do you spend four months? He's like, oh, you know, there's hostels that you can stay at. You basically rent a bed and a dorm room and share it with, share it with, uh, people. And, you know, you're, some of these places, I mean, I've, I've paid as little as $3 per night to stay there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you do the math on that, that's, 90 bucks a month for your rent nice <laughs> you know and i'm in another country sure you're sharing a room with 20 people sometimes or sometimes it's you're sharing a room with two or three people it's not a you know but when i realized that like i give up a lot of the comforts that a lot of people have um but the i mean the places has allowed me to see is, yeah you, you you give up those comforts in exchange for experiences yeah and that is some that is the reason why I think so many people are envious of you because we have the comforts, but they do not bring joy. Yeah. Items do not bring joy. Yeah. But experiences bring joy. And <laughs> bring long lasting joy. Yeah. That's the thing. And not it's and the thing about it is 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 
all joy is fleeting. Mm-hmm. The moment you get something new, it once it loses its novelty, like you feel good about that new pair of shoes you bought for like 45 minutes and then it's just a new pair of shoes, you know? Yeah. And then those new pair of shoes will eventually be worn out and thrown in the trash. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody can ever take the fact that I went to Machu Picchu from me. Yeah. Ever. That's, that's amazing. And so like one of the things that is really valuable to me and that Sarah has taught me to value very highly is, is those experiences, whether they be big, like life changing, like we spent, I mean, our, 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 our honeymoon was two weeks. That's probably the longest trip I've ever taken. You said you did months and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Six months is the longest trip I've done. That's so cool. But having those experiences and just having those things that you can look back on and, and, and also the way that they impact you as a person and the growth that comes from mm. those things. That's really, that's has true intrinsic value. And that's really cool. It's made me a lot more empathetic as a person. Yeah. Because most, because I travel, my goal isn't, I don't stay at hotels. I don't, I mean, I will, but I don't like do the fancy things. Um, I'm trying to make, I'd much rather go on a three month trip and miss out on the comforts than to go on a two week trip and have everything I want plus some. Um, but so, but basically that's entailed me going to a lot of third world or developing countries. Almost all of them actually are, I would not consider first world mm-hmm. uh, except for Australia. I just got back from Australia a few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago. But outside of that, um, I mean, it's, you know, I've been to Nicaragua, Panama, Costa Rica, um, Guatemala, like a lot of Central America, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru, all develop. It's this weird, it's a weird line. It, there's not a definitive line um, about first, second, and third world anymore. A lot of it's infrastructure, but like access to clean water, stuff like that. There's different, it's hard to classify, but I would say most of them are developing. Some of them I've been third world for sure. But so they're all cheap places because they're developing. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, I'm very, very lucky to live the life I live. Fortunate um, to have those experiences. But on top of that, I've had some crazy, I mean, traveling's awesome, but there's been times where traveling absolutely sucked. Oh, that. And I just, in such a miserable state, like on this last trip, I had a lot of problems. I actually came home earlier than it, than planned. I, I was supposed to still be traveling as we speak right now, but I got E. coli. Um, I got stung by a jellyfish that made me wickedly sick. I didn't even know it could make, I mean. Was it a Urukanji? I have no idea what type it was. It stung me. I got three stings in about a matter of a second and a half. It was a one, da, 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 da. And then I turned around out of the ocean and ran because it was so much pain. And so it's actually at this famous Instagram spot. It's the T-Rex head in Bali. It's like this, uh, (laughs) this story. Um, So uh, there's the T-Rex head. Everybody takes this picture. It's this famous, famous Instagram spot. You might even, if I showed you, you might even know what uh, I have seen this picture. I got stung by this jellyfish at the, bottom of it by the beach so everybody takes this picture at the top and there's an extremely extremely steep climb and i've done a lot of hikes i've done a lot this might be the steepest there's literally ropes that you have to use like 
there's no way to get down without a rope. It's extremely steep. So it's really, really crowded at the top. And then the beach at the bottom, it's this white, cr- clear sand, like beautiful, just fine sand and crystal clear blue water. It looks like paradise. And it's not super crowded because it's so hard to access. And so we're swimming, jellyfish get stung. I, I get stung by the jellyfish. I get out of the water and we kind of start packing up. It's probably, it's almost 100 degrees, 95% humidity. It is so hot. And uh, I've got these welts all over my arm from where the jellyfish got me. And uh, <laughs> so we start the journey back up. And me and this other girl, uh, she's also, she's like a mountain bike. She was like a mountain bike guide in California. She's from France, but she actually did mountain bike guiding. So the same adventurous type, hiker, outdoor, you know, she can handle her own. Me and her break off from the rest of the group. And blast off ahead. Da, 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 da. We're going up, climbing up, having a good time. And then all of a sudden, it's just, I'm just drained. I'm like, man, maybe I'm a little dehydrated or something. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it was just instantaneous. I get tunnel vision. My eyes are going blurry. I can't walk in a straight line if I wanted to. And it got to a point where I felt so bad. And my brain was just not functioning that I couldn't even speak words. People like were literally passing me going down as I was going up and looking at me and just being looking at me deadpan. Are, are you okay? Because I mean, I, I can't even imagine what I looked like, but I know I looked bad. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so out of all my fears of traveling, it's not getting robbed. It's not getting held at knife point or nothing like that. That's actually, I've never been, I've never really felt in much danger uh, or truly been in any danger while traveling. My biggest fear, because I eat a lot of local foods and stuff too, is shitting myself in public. (laughs) I swear to God, my number one fear is shitting myself in public. Because it's like every tra- traveler you talk to, at some, like any serious traveler that goes into remote spots or goes into the jungle or eats the l- super local food, at some point they have something that is just immediately like, I'm about to shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so, nothing I can do about yeah. it. <laughs> so that's one of my greatest fears. So, so all this is hitting me. Just this, it's just, I'm so in so much pain. I can't even articulate how much pain I'm in. I can't walk. I'm like almost at the top where everybody takes their pictures and I'm almost right there and people are just, is there anything I could do for you? I just sit down, pour water on top of my head and then it hits me. I'm like, I'm, I'm about to shit myself. I'm like, there's just liquid inside me that is just going to come out and I, and I am at the at this point, I thought I was about to pass out. That's why I'm pouring water on my head. I'm sitting down. I'm getting tunnel vision. I'm just like wobbly. And I think the only thing that kept me from passing out was me realizing that if I passed out, I would wake up in a pile of my own shit. <laughs> and it was just pure like squeeze everything I could do to squeeze. I was like, oh, no, no. Praying, praying that I just do not exit my bowels <laughs> at this iconic famous Instagram spot. <laughs> and so then I'm at, at the point I was like, all right, I think I'm past the threshold of, of passing out now. I'm not good. I'm not okay. I can barely <laughs> walk still, but I'm like, 
the 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 full risk of me passing out, I think, has just passed. And you'd made it to the top at this point, right? I'm about, I don't know, 50 to 100 feet from the top. Okay. Of this, of what takes like 45 minutes to get up. I'm like the last two, three minutes away. And just a mess. And I'm literally looking at this fence. And like people, you can see the people, I look up and I can see the people standing at the edge, taking pictures down below, or like facing downwards. And in my mind, I'm like, I might have to pull my pants down and just shit over this fence, over this cliff. Like it's a street, it's a cliff. And I'm just, I'm looking up. I'm just like, I'm about to cry. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do right now. I'm so scared. Like my greatest fear is about to be realized and not just in a crowd of people, but in a place where I would, if it happened, if I pull my pants down and started shitting there. I think I would be on every Instagram account <laughs> ever. I would be a viral sensation that day. Like, not only is it my greatest fear, but it's my greatest fear amplified by social media. <laughs> so, and basically, I got to a point where I could then stand up again. I like my the girl catches up with me, giving me a bunch of water, giving me the rest of her water. Uh, Laura, if you hear this, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Laura. Yeah, uh, she. Um, give me her water and she she like help me up and i basically get to the top and i'm just yelling toilet 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 and i finally get to um i finally find a toilet and it's not a toilet it's a hole in the ground mm. with water in it <laughs> and next to that hole in the ground with water in it is a bucket with a ladle <laughs> with water in it and that's it there's no toilet paper there's no fucking anything and i feel so far i paid that woman when i left <laughs> because i felt so bad for what i did to her bathroom i felt so bad for what i did so, and it's a so in those places in those third world countries and developing countries it is common practice for them to charge you mm -hmm. but we're talking 20 cents us you know and i paid her like four times that amount i was like i'm <laughs> so sorry and just walked out. And that was, and so it's just, that's, I mean, I've been stranded in places where I didn't speak the language. Um, and I was like make, trying to get a connecting bus and I had no idea where I was at. I couldn't figure out. I thought I was gonna be stranded in that city. I, I have been robbed. Actually, I've been robbed in probably the, the least likely place out of all the places I've been, oh, I'm not excluding Australia, but Costa Rica. I got robbed. Everybody goes to Costa Rica. Yeah. Expats live there. It's considered safe. It's, fairly uh westernized or uh americanized I, but yeah i got robbed there and it's the only place in colombia i didn't get robbed like nicaragua which are considered you know they uh not considered but viewed as more dangerous places mm -hmm. uh to uh people from the u.s and uh i felt really safe in colombia do you get pickpocketed when you're in costa rica or what happened somebody go through uh, your stuff i got well i was trying to buy weed oh yeah <laughs> So you buy, got held up. Yeah, I was trying oh, to buy shit. weed. And uh, it was a weird situation. He's like, it, it was a situation. I was with two guys. He goes, hey, let's walk down here and handle this off the main road. I was like, all right, cool. Let's do that. And um, apparently he looks back and told the other two guys that are with me, like, hey, y'all hang here. And I didn't even know that. I was just like, da -da -da -da, let's go get the weed. And we then, as we're about to turn off into this alleyway, I look back and it's just me and him. I was like, shit. 
well, I'm committed now, you know, mm-hmm. so I go down the alleyway and immediately he hands me this napkin um, and it feels hard on the inside. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I was like, I'm going to look at it before I pay money. And he's like, man, it's good, it's good, it's good. Just give me the money. We got to do this fast. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to waste my money. And um, I open it up and it's a rock mm-hmm. padded with a bunch of napkins. I'm like, dude, what the fuck? And I, immediately as I could, I was like, what the fuck? And I look up and he just grabs me by the head. He puts his hand in my face and slams me up against a wall. Damn. And like, like, so then I'm, uh, he's, my front is on the wall of the building with my side of my face pressed against it. And he's like, give me your fucking money. And I'm like, dude, I don't have, I don't, uh, I don't have anything. Like, he's like, give me your phone, give me your wallet. And I'm like, ah. and I was able, he had one hand on my, hand and one hand on the back of my on the side of my head pressing it up against this building and and then uh so i I have one hand free and i'm reaching in i reach in my pocket and i grab a small little folded bill up uh equal i don't know 10 15 us dollars i held it up and as he he lets go of my other hand so now i have both my hands free he grabs that out and at that point i kind of slide out i shove him against the wall and just sprint i was like I'm not even trying to fight this dude. I don't care about the money. Yeah, 10 bucks now. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I, this guy could have a knife on him. He could have three dudes waiting around the corner. I have no idea. And I just sprinted out into the street. And I had like, the buddies see me sprinting. They see like there's big scrapes on my face from being pressed up against the brick wall. They're like, what happened? I was like, what the fuck did y'all do? Yeah, like, why didn't y'all come with me? <laughs> and they're like, oh, he said not to. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what somebody would say that's trying to rob somebody. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so... That's hilarious. You know, I've had some. It's I've, not hilarious. It's terrible, but it's also hilarious. <laughs> no, no, I, looking back, I laugh at it. Um, I mean, I've had dengue fever too, which is a mosquito-borne thing. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah I've heard of that. Um, so, traveling is not always awesome. <laughs> do you when you go to these places? Do you take that malaria malaria medication before you go? Because I've heard that that shit can really fuck you up just itself. Yeah, um, I've never done it. Um, I've been in places that like malaria is kind of a slight risk. I've never gone into or knowingly i haven't gone into any high risk malaria i mean i guess i did i did i did go into the amazon um i think they recommended to take some when when we went to the amazon but yeah um i've heard crazy things it makes you sick it makes you um like i've heard people talk about the nightmares Mm. which i already have crazy dreams as it is and um apparently you take the malaria medicine and it'll give you like hellacious nightmares mm. on another level um that sounds awful yeah <laughs> so um it's but it's one of those things you like you have to take it every day it's not like a vaccine like like i've got i'm vaccinated for typhoid and yellow fever and certain diseases but you can't vaccinate it's a medicine you have to take every day and it's mm-hmm. a poison in and of itself but it's better than getting malaria right you know so if i if i like in some spots of africa i might do that like if i want to when i do go to africa um i might but as of now i've never taken it i have so many kids from africa and they're always like mr ember we're gonna take you to africa (laughs) i'm like man that sounds awesome but do you know what country so tons oh yeah congo that's dangerous (laughs) i know his name is prince prince i probably shouldn't say his name his name is prince okay um and he's from congo okay He's tall, skinny, mm-hmm. fucking leader. Like nice. all the other Natural African leader. kids 
not not all of them are from the Congo, but they're all from Africa. They mm-hmm. all speak French mostly, mm-hmm. um, and they all speak English now. But they also speak different languages. Again, kids from Uganda, kids from Ivory Coast, everywhere nice. in Africa. Usually, from what I've realized with uh, African, it's they'll speak. French, uh, some sort of French, or maybe Dutch too. Mm-hmm. There's some Dutch spoken, like uh, in South Africa, they speak Afrikaans, which is like a mixture of Dutch and a local language. Mm-hmm. But French is really common, and then they'll usually speak like uh, their tribe, like n- not necessarily tribal, but their regional language. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they learn English when they get here or whatever. But, but yeah, Prince is probably like six two, like real skinny, tall, and statuesque, and Ooh, like nice. when he speaks, the other kids. Listen, like a commanding. I wonder type. what his experiences have yeah. been. I've never asked him, but you know, the Congo, like child soldiers, wild. In I, the Congo. I really hope that he wasn't a child soldier, but like, I don't know what, it, like, what his experiences have been. It's really interesting. I mean, I've gone to countries. I've gone to multiple countries that have travel warnings by our government that tell us not to go unless necessary. And even the Congo, I've heard some crazy things about the Congo, like. I want. I would love to go, but man. Yeah, he was like, he was like, Mister, you go to Africa. I was like, yeah, I would go to Africa. I'd like to do a safari. Mm-hmm. They're like Kenya because I think that's where they mostly yep. do it. And there were some kids who were from Kenya, and she was like, it was a girl. She was like, yeah, you go to Kenya, it's awesome. I was like, where are you from? Prince was like the Congo. He's like, oh, he's like, cool. He's like, yeah, don't go there without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't go there without him. And even with him, be careful. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I really want to do Northern Africa. Um, so like Egypt and Morocco, obviously, but I really want to do Namibia. Namibia is just north of South Africa. Uh, it's on the coast, but it's one of the least densely populated countries in the world. Um, so it's a big country with a few amount of people, like a couple million people in the whole country. So you have to have a car, you know, you, mm-hmm. um, you can't do it. There's not. There's like an airport <laughs> in the whole country um, and you have to drive everywhere. There's not bus routes because it's just vast amounts of space, but you can get some really good safari type type of stuff out there. That's really cool. I'm sure that Sarah... Where did you go for your honeymoon? We went to S- Seattle and the Oh, Pacific that was Northwest. that trip. Okay, yeah, okay, that was that so trip. What about Sarah? Sarah, I'm sure will have me doing those things because she just has a desire to do those things and she's had those experiences before. She spent a lot of time in South America. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't say a lot of time, but she's been to South America on multiple different occasions, and she's been to Europe on multiple different occasions. No, no. But Africa, one, it's it's huge, right? It's like mm-hmm. the, it's like one of the biggest continents. Yeah, it's got like uh, 40, 47 countries or something. It's like forty something countries. Well, you look at on on that map, and it looks tiny. Yeah, but when you actually realize that that map's scale is fucked up. Mm-hmm. It's humongous. It's, yep, exactly. Like Greenland, isn't it? Greenland looks massive, but yeah. it's not nearly as massive as it looks on the map. Yeah. Same thing. In reverse, though. Africa's huge. It is huge. And it's just like, it's super, super hard to get around. Yeah. You know, because there are so many countries, and even among their countries, inside the countries, there's different regional things. Yeah. Like the Congo is a, is constantly a civil war. Right. A war with themselves, and it's guerrilla. It's like a, it's like a warlord type of... Uh, systems there and it's just yeah it's that's a whole different and so generally with traveling uh, less developed countries are generally cheaper mm-hmm. but because some of Africa is so undeveloped it's way more expensive 
because it's just not infrastructure. They don't have hotels. There's one hotel in this town or there aren't bus systems oh. or taxis aren't really a thing. So, or aren't much of a thing. So if you get a taxi, it's going to be really expensive. So it's like, it, um, you know, I think Egypt, Morocco and stuff like that is more tourist, you know, it's definitely more touristy, but like countries like Albania, what's the one in the North next to Morocco? I think it's Albania. I think is it's Albania. Yeah. Like, they're not, you can't go there as a tourist as a, especially, I mean, it's pretty hard. They are not welcoming. They are very strict there. Yeah. Sarah wants to do Kilimanjaro because she talks nice. to me about how it's like, we could do a mountain trek, but it's mostly walking. I mean, like you have to yeah. take, you have to take elevation into consideration. <sighs> Cause it's very high up, but it's not what's like, the, what's the highest you've been? Do you know? I think probably like 4,000 feet elevation. So not very high. Oh really? That's it. I think like, we've, I've never actually hiked that high. Yeah. 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 But I think, well, but maybe you've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily yeah. hiked. Just yeah. the highest you've experienced. Well, she, she gets elevation sickness. Me too. Really? Bad. That's why I was asking. I, I mean, around, around 10 to 11, I start to feel it. Mm-hmm. I've been as just shy of 16,000 mm-hmm. and it wrecked me. Really? It wrecked me. That's back when I smoked cigarettes too. So mm-hmm. it was even worse. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super sensitive to altitude sickness. Yeah. So like there's things like I would love to do Kilimanjaro or, uh, um, that's in Tanzania, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to do Kilimanjaro, but there's a bit, there's like a base camp. Mm-hmm. So you have to go hang out Ideally, you would hang out at base camp for a week or so. Um, to acclimate. Exactly, to acclimate. And then there's like different ways you can do it. There's like you can do the hike over a week or you can do the hike over a month. Bigger, like opposite of what you would think, there's actually a better success rate over the month hmm. because you have more time to acclimate. People try to do it in a week and they're just not used to the elevation and they just like, I'm about to pass out. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been at, at 16,000 feet. So... So actually, when you do Machu Picchu, here's a good, um, you generally, you go to Cusco first and then you do the adventure from Machu Picchu. Um, oh, I didn't, we kind of got off topic earlier. So I, I didn't get to do the hike to Machu Picchu Oh, because basically I got altitude sickness mm. in Cusco. Um, so I had to take the train to what they call Machu Picchu town, Aguas Calientes. And, um. They call it Machu Picchu Town as a nickname, but from there it's a short journey. So I didn't do the the big hike. There's like the Inca Trail or the Sancante Trail that's really popular. So I didn't get to do either of those. I just went there. But Cusco is a stop off town before you get to Machu Picchu Town, and Cusco is actually higher in elevation than Machu Picchu. You actually go down to go to Machu Picchu. Oh, really? Yeah, from Cusco at least. Um, so. I would be asleep in Cusco. I don't know exactly what it is, maybe 13,000 feet or something like that. Um, I'd be in, in Cusco and wake up in the middle of the night because I would breathe. I was having the normal relaxed breathing that I would have, but getting less oxygen. Yeah. And so all of a sudden I'm like, <gasps> like I just didn't have enough breath. I thought I was like suffocating. And so I would like wake up heart racing. And uh, so I'm super sensitive to altitude. I bet. Honestly, I bet I would be too, because I've lived most of my mm-hmm. life in this valley. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that's going to be like. I'm, I'll, I guess I'll you gotta find go. out when yeah. I figure it out. But I mean, Denver, like uh, you could go to Colorado. Colorado has like the most four, most mountains above fourteen thousand feet in the country. Yeah. That's where Sarah experienced her worst. 
Yeah. Or, like, she had altitude sickness real bad. And uh, we had talked about going to Colorado this summer with her family. I don't know if we still are, because like I told you earlier, her brother and sister-in-law are now oh, yeah. pregnant. So we may still do it. We may not. I don't know. Colorado's awesome. I would love to go to Colorado. One of my favorite states, not just because of it, it's beautiful, but the whole mentality of the state is just mm-hmm. an outdoor athletic culture just yeah. and just healthy living in general. You have like really good options for food. That's really cool. Yeah. That, you know, I love the South for certain reasons. Not for the choice of healthy food. <laughs> We're struggling with that right now, Sarah and I. Like, it's a challenge for me because I also, like, eat my feelings. Yeah. So that's yeah, a big thing I've been dealing with recently. And there's so many options, just shit. And, uh, I mean, it's good. It tastes amazing. It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love it to eat, but. It, the longevity of it all is not not the best. Yeah, and we're thirty. Are you thirty? Thirty. I'm thirty one. Turn thirty one. I turned thirty one in uh, twenty days. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'll try to remember that, and I'll send you a birthday yeah. text or something like that. Less than three weeks. That's exciting. It's weird though, man. It's it comes with a lot of changes. It really started for me, I think, when I was maybe like twenty five or twenty six, and I was like. Something's, I'm, I feel different. Yeah. Something's different. I feel like I feel different. And it was really kind of like, a, like a, my, my eyes were open to the possibilities and the capabilities that I had as a person. That's when I lost weight because I was like, I got up to like 3.05. And I was just like, fuck this, dude. <laughs> like, I'm so, I saw pictures of myself. Actually, I'll tell you, my friend Matt Smith. You okay. actually might know Matt Smith. It sounds real. He hung out with Jacob Roney. Uh, Matt Smith sounds real familiar. Yeah. Uh, he hung out with like Adam Braun. And then I, I, I know Adam Braun. Yeah. And um, uh, what's the other tall guy's name? Uh, Matt Addison, S- Addison Price. Yep. Addison is a yeah. good person I was thinking of. And yeah. Matt knows Addison too. Okay. These are all, some of these are just acquaintances now, but yeah. 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 So I was, I was at his wedding. I was in his wedding. I saw a picture of myself. I was like, what the fuck? Like, I thought I looked good at this mm-hmm. wedding. Like, I'd bought a nice shirt and a tie. And that's how I pictured myself. I was like, Ew, no, I look terrible. <laughs> I'm really fat. <laughs> so, I just was like, I'm just going to be really disciplined about what I eat mm-hmm. and count all of my calories. I logged all of my calories. And I did that for, like, six months. And I lost, like, 70 pounds. And then when I, I realized, like, I still suck. I'm still not disciplined about most things in my life. But I yeah. can get very disciplined sometimes. And there was, like, probably four months like I was trying to tell you earlier, like it was a summer vacation. It was the summer before I started at DOS. It was the summer before my sister's wedding that I was running like three miles, probably like uh, three times a week, sometimes four times a week. I was, I got fit, man. I saw some pictures of myself from my sister's wedding. I was like, fuck. And I need to get back to that. I need yeah. to like really recommit myself to those things. But it gets harder, harder and harder each year we get older, oh, man. God, I know. And then also, it's just it was kind of exactly like what you were saying. When you do those things, you make those sacrifices. You sacrifice those things you really enjoy doing, like sitting on your ass or eating shitty yeah, food. Yeah. And it's a it's a mental game as much as it is a physical game. It's the so about a year ago when I. T- I I kind of told you I stopped smoking cigarettes and I stopped drinking alcohol about a year and a half ago. It was somewhat for mental health and somewhat for physical health. But once I got once I got into a routine of doing the gym, that was the easy part. The eating 
the, that's way harder for me <laughs> than the gym. Like, you, you know, you see that like sweet taste of treat mm. Mm. and you got to like constantly tell you, I mean, it's an addiction. Sugar is highly addictive. I'm addicted to sugar for uh, sure. Massively. And, you know, we grew up in a culture that didn't teach us about healthy eating. Right. It's, you either, you fry it, it's all coated in fat or sugar. Um, like again, it's great. It tastes great. But man. It does not make you feel good in the long run. It doesn't. And that's really the thing. You sacrifice feeling good in the long run for feeling really good. In that moment. For like just a few moments. I mean, like I've sat down and like eaten like a big meal and I loved it while I was eating it. And then immediately after I'm like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I'm burpy. Lethargic. I feel like shit. I'm tired. I feel bloated and just full and terrible. And I... But I, right now, I'm still doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, me too. I was, you know, I got back. So I told you I was, I was sick when I was over there at E. coli. And I couldn't eat um, properly. And I was missing, you know, I was tired of fried rice. And uh, it's called nasi goreng. I was tired of like fried rice and eggs all the time. And then, um, so I got home. I was just like. American food. <laughs> and I probably put on, I, I think since I've been home, I've probably put on 10 pounds. But it, like, it's so weeks, easy to do. Weeks, so easy to do. So easy. I mean, just, I don't, I didn't drink sodas either for a year and a half. And I just like got back with like soda and fat food and meat. Just give me all the red meat. Cause um, they have red meat in um, Bali. Uh, Cause I was in Bali for about a month, a little over a month too. They have red meat there, but it's, expensive because it's been imported because uh bali is mostly hindu mm. and so they have cows there but they don't farm them yeah uh, hindu and hindu generally speaking cows are highly respected yeah you know so so i wasn't eating red meat i got back i was like steak i want steak yes. you know i do and, love a good steak i mean i always love a good steak i i try to limit it now but who doesn't love a good steak you know what's your reason behind that like just like your aversion to like factory farming or is it just health consciousness? A little bit of both. So luckily in California, it is really easy for me to source good ethically raised meat Mm -hmm. because factory farming is monstrous. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's a terrible industry. Um, I've actually, there's one of the realizations is there's a spot. Anybody that's familiar with Northern California knows exactly the spot I'm talking about. It's on I five interstate five going North through California, you'll smell it a mile before you even see it. You get this wave of just, you're like, just stings your nose. You're like, what the fuck is this? And then you literally, you come like over this small little hill and you just see as far as the eye can see packed neck to neck, shoulder to shoulder is cows. And that smell is just their urine and shit that they're living in. And it's just ammonia burning your nose. I mean, like, made me gag. I have to put a shirt over my mouth every time I pass by it. And so that just was one of the first realizations. Like, oh, my God, factory farming really is as bad as they say. But honestly, most of it for me is uh, is health. Like, yeah. I like red meat. Red meat is good for you. But eating a 20-ounce ribeye. Is unnecessary. I mean, 
It's a nice way to celebrate. It's a great way. But that's, and that's how I treat it now. You know, I will sit down and I will eat a fat ass steak, but it's like, that's my treat, you know, and yeah. I still eat red meat, but I try to ethically source it for sure. Uh, not to sound like some crazy hippie or anything. No, but... I was talking to Michelle. Michelle was telling me about how she's cut out. She's tried her best to cut out all animal products. Yeah. So she's like, I think, I think hers is a compassion thing. For sure. She was one of the most compassionate people I've ever heard met in my entire life. And yeah. the way that she described just like, she doesn't want to cause anybody suffering or anything, any suffering. And by consuming meat, especially in this area, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to get oh, yeah. ethically sourced meat. Yeah. You and, literally have to go to the farms. Yeah. You know, and buy a quarter of a cow or something. Yeah. But yeah. Because even like the. The grass-fed, like farm-raised meat you get, like Whole Foods, it's all corn finished, yeah. and everybody knows what that means. Yeah. So, yeah, I um, I don't think I could ever go completely animal product free. Um, like my body craves it, especially being working on the farm in which I'm working sun up to sun down. I work twelve-hour days. I mean, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, for sure. Um, but. Just working out in the sun, doing physical labor, like my body craves meat. It w- would wither away without meat. And that's my body type. Again, like we were talking about earlier, you know, everybody's different. But, um, you know, going more vegetarian is definitely a goal of mine. It's, something I, it's really hard for me. I eat a massive amount of chicken, you know. I love chicken too. Chickens. I mean, for me, it's just the protein. I just yeah. need a lot of protein. And, uh, you know, beans get old. Some, I mean, some of it's just definitely like. I prefer chicken over beans, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. Um, so I could most certainly be a little more strict on it if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> but who can blame? I mean, like nobody blames you. Everybody's on a different place in their journey. So like, should yeah. be no judgment. I eat meat way too much. Sarah's doing like a, she actually doesn't particularly like it, yeah, that, which I'm is weird. Envious of those people. Yeah. I know people that don't like me. I'm like, man, that's actually cool. <laughs> yeah. So she does like, she tries to go days of the week without consuming any meat products mm. and stuff like that. Indian food is, you know, they, they have a lot of vegetarian options. Mm-hmm. So that's my kind of my workaround is where you like get oh, Indian food has a lot of flavor behind it and you can take out the meat and sometimes not even notice, um, like just do coconut curries instead of chicken curry or like, uh, substitute like a lot of potato dishes sure some of them have yogurt and and stuff like that in it but um indian indian food have you mm-hmm. you, you like indian food i'll eat it sometimes i like mediterranean food okay a little bit more but okay. it's kind of similar flavor like they're a little bit not i like curry a lot curry is delicious curry. that's funny um i've got a uh, i've got a greek friend named mandy if she, you're listening to this uh she swears that greek food is the absolute best cuisine in the world yeah we just had a debate it's just ironic that you mentioned mediterranean food we yeah uh, we had the debate of whether which one was better italian or mediterranean depends on what you're looking for italian, i feel like i don't care know. i mean the pasta <laughs> that's pasta, it it's yeah. just the the variety that italian food has is you, yeah i mean you can have any type of pasta you want i tell you what kills me with the mediterranean food though is i do not like cucumbers I hate them. I don't like them at all. I don't know why. I don't like cucumbers. If I get a salad with it's got a cucumber in it, I'm like, I can't even eat it. I can't even pick off the cucumber because I can taste the cucumber. Really? I don't like it at all. It's just not my favorite. It's not my thing. Um, You know, tzatziki's all cucumbery. I don't like tzatziki. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, I don't like olives. Yeah. And feta cheese isn't bad. 
Yeah. But it's like one of my least favorite cheeses, mm-hmm. you know? It's not like I hate feta, but I'm never going to put feta on something, which is like what they like in Greece specifically. Yeah, they got the goat cheese. Is that goat? Is that a goat cheese? <sighs> You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> asking the wrong person. I hate it so much. I don't even know what it's made from. Um, but uh, yeah. Italian. Italian's one of the best in the world. I love some Italian food. Indian's my favorite, I think, overall. Do you consider yourself a foodie? Is that one of the... You, you kind of mentioned earlier, one of the big things you enjoy is eating the local cuisine. So it's weird because I'm actually a fairly picky eater. Yeah. But I will try anything. Okay. Um, So like street food is a really common thing in developing countries because because of the poverty people just set up a cart and they just make food there in a cart in the street instead of having a building that they have to pay rent on, and you know, that their business could go under. They have this non-committed type of, oh, I have a cart, you know, and if the cart doesn't work, then the cart didn't work. Yeah. I don't have this building, you know? So street food is a really common thing in uh, developing countries and I love trying those. And I've had some things I absolutely hated, or I'll order something and they put it all together. I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not going to like that. <laughs> I see, like I'll order something. I'm like, oh, that, that looks good on that picture. And then I put it together. I'm like, mm, mm, <laughs> that's, I don't like nine out of those 10 things you just put in there, you know, <laughs> but I always try it. That's definitely my thing. If I say I don't like something, it's not because I haven't tried it. Yeah. You know, I'm not one of those people like, ah, I don't think I'm going to like that. So, um, which Indian food was a hard one for me to get over. And I tried Indian food. I was like, what? the hell have i been doing yeah they just spite i mean so many spices yeah it's it you know like um yeah indian food's my favorite i don't i wouldn't consider myself a foodie at all because i'm i'm very picky um so i couldn't be a foodie in that Mm -hmm. aspect uh but i will always try and um yeah you would actually be surprised so like mexico has good food south of mexico and like North of Argentina, Chile, Brazil's all right from what I I haven't been to Brazil, but from what I've heard, but like in between those, like the Southern part of Central America and the Northern part of South America, the food's just boring. Really? Really boring. Yeah, I know. I thought it was going to be amazing. Yeah, you wouldn't think that. Lots of hot foods and spices and pretty boring. Lots of white rice, lots of just like meat that's cooked with just like salt and pepper you think it's the poverty it's just mm, a- yeah i think some of it is um i mean but with that said i've always found a, a dish or some type of cuisine that i like from every country um in peru they'll eat like just i wanted to try one and i never did uh so a guinea they eat guinea pigs like, oh yeah but like they throw it on a skewer though like literally like spit roast it like stick a skewer through its ass and out its mouth spin it around a fire so you can just like see its gnarly teeth just like rat teeth basically poking out and just tail hanging it's just like that's gonna break my wife's heart she's gonna hate listening to this yeah it's pretty wild <laughs> she's looking. a she's a guinea pig lover but they're expensive they're like 25 us dollars which down there is expensive yeah you know when i'm paying five dollars to sleep for my bed that night mm-hmm. spending 25 on something to have a bite of so i never tried that but i have tried um i've tried tarantula oh really how was that that's an interesting thing um, to consume legs not bad yeah you get the hairy things in your teeth Ooh, that doesn't um, sound fun and they're like the it's like crispy crunchy type of thing but not much flavor so it wasn't too bad 
and the body was hard to take. Yeah. Hard Guts to take. Guts and all, you, like slimy. It's not slimy. It's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's not slimy in the way that you imagine. Okay. Everybody thinks you're going to get bite it, and then there's going to be like this gooey stuff pouring out of it, and it wasn't quite that, but there was consistency to it, and I don't know how to explain that yeah. consistency. <laughs> I mean, I've tried, um, I'm trying to think of the weirdest things I've tried. I, I'd almost venture to say I've definitely had dog. Yeah. But it was just marketed as something different. Yeah. Because like in Vietnam, I think Cambodia and Laos too, eating dog isn't uncommon. And I actually, and all your listeners are probably going to think I'm a monster. <laughs> I actually wanted to try dog. I don't think that's weird. Um, For some people it is because it's a pet to a lot of, but they don't see it as a pet. And yeah. I mean like I wouldn't eat my dog. Yeah, exactly. But if I had a cow, I wouldn't eat my cow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And uh, actually, pigs are smarter than dogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, if you eat a pig, you should be able to eat a dog. And so, I was kind of in that mentality. And I was like, I got to try it. And I went on the hunt. I couldn't find it. Um, but I'm venturing to say that um, I'm venturing to say that I probably had it and they just didn't advertise it as dog because of Westerners. You know? Yeah. So, um, I've had dried squid head. Um, I've had some squid. You can order some like squids, like candies from Japan and yeah. stuff like that online. It's it's fishy. What's the th- man? You know who got uh, Hugh Lee? Do you remember mm. Hugh? Yeah, me and Hugh talk every now and then. Yeah, he he travels to Vietnam a lot. Yeah, he's from there. Yeah, and so uh, I was talking to him recently because I wasn't trying to get him on the podcast because Hugh and I got pretty close in high school. We yeah, hang out quite a bit. And uh, me and he, him talk quite quite a bit now actually because of my traveling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So he he sent he sent me some amazing pictures. But he reached out to me the other day because, and I'm curious if you experienced this, like being over in those areas, those developing countries, coming from a place of privilege and having access to a lot of, a lot of comforts that, you know, obviously you're sacrificing a lot of comforts, mm-hmm. but you have access to a lot of other comforts. Yeah. That the locals wouldn't have yeah. also. Is that challenging? This is, and I imagine you see a lot of poverty, a lot of like really sad things that it would just be difficult to deal with. Like I said earlier, it's made me a more empathetic person because of that reason. I have definitely looked upon scenes that just brought me to tears. You know, just absolute, uh, just a a poverty that is hard to fathom. You know, like um, a lot of these people, I mean, I, I, I try to, so I always try to create some type of intimate relationship with uh somebody from almost every culture that I go to. And I mean, local, um, in Bali, I mean, there's some people that, uh, that literally make $5 a day and will work a 10 hour day. They're getting paid 50 cents an hour. They live on $150 a month. And yeah, it's sad. It hurts your heart. So, when I was going traveling originally, I was literally like saving up every last time I could, living really, really cheap. I mean, I've lived in three different vehicles. <laughs> I slept in my Subaru, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't, I could have, I could have had a place to sleep. I just decided I can sleep in my Subaru and I can save the money and I can use this to go travel. It's not like I was like some poor vagabond that was like begging for money. No, I had money. I just was like, well, I don't mind sleeping in the car, so I'm going to sleep in the car. I'm going to use this money to go to whatever, Columbia or whatever. 
Um, so, but now I'm pretty comfortable in terms of finances. Um, so that I have, I don't want to say excess, but I have extra. I'm not hurting. It's not like every single last dollar is important to me anymore. Um, I can spend stuff when I want to, I can buy stuff when I want to buy stuff. No big deal. So now I've pretty much every time I go, I'll have a small budget to literally just buy stuff for my local friends. I hate, I don't really, I do things like that, but I don't like to talk about them too much. I understand. Because I don't ever want it to seem like I'm doing it for certain reasons, but that does help me feel better about, because I am, when I go, I go to these countries, obviously, because I'm taking advantage of the fact that they're, their markets aren't good. Yeah. Like if you if you really break it down, I'm choosing their countries because my dollar goes really far there. And the reason my dollar goes really far there is because they're disadvantaged. Right. You know, so I do try to mitigate that and it does make me feel better about it. Yeah. Um, and I can understand why you're apprehensive about talking about it because you don't want to come across as, no. as if you're bragging about it. You do it because, because it's important to you and that's the only reason why. But I w- wanted to hear your opinion about it because Hugh reached out to me the other day, just kind of out of the blue. He just told me he had a really negative experience and he just needed Mm. somebody to talk to about it. And he just had seen some things on the streets of Vietnam that really hurt his heart. Yeah. And one of the things that I think happens and a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast, haven't had the privilege to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I haven't really traveled out of the country much, but I've worked in a school system where I see poverty yeah. On a daily basis. And poverty is poverty. Yeah. It's all relative, you know? Exactly. Like the, the people that I'm talking to make a month's salary in Bali, you know, probably a week here, but. Cost of living is different. To, but, everything's different. Yeah. Poverty's poverty. And so you do learn to have this compassion for people and you learn to see like the challenges that they're facing are different than what I'm facing. So it's not fair for me to compare them to me. I'm not a fair yardstick to measure their experience or their accomplishments from because I don't understand their point of view. And I just kind of wanted the opportunity for people who are listening to this to, to really be exposed to that. And to people who know you and maybe knew you when you were younger, just to see that growth yeah. in your perspective. Yeah. Because I think we all, one of the things that human beings, and, and I actually want to talk to you about this because you said you were reading Sapiens. So okay. I'm interested in talking yeah, yeah, to you about yeah. that. But yeah. as human beings, we used to live in tribes. Yep. We're surrounded by people, our family and friends for this, for the entirety of our lives. And they all knew us intimately and mm-hmm. we knew them intimately. But <clears throat> you, you got to learn from their mistakes in the same way that you learned from yours. And you got to, as, as people grew and had personal growth, they were able to share that wisdom with each other. And now because of this digital age that we're in, we sometimes find ourselves stuck in bubbles. Yeah. And we don't really get the chance to grow with our friends and we don't really get this chance to benefit from their wisdom. And so like one of the things that I've tried to ask everybody to come on to do is to like, what is something that you've learned that's changed you, your perspective or, or, or made you a better person that you think others would benefit from knowing as well. And for you, because of your travels, I imagined it was the compassion and the yeah. empathy that you, yeah. Empathy that you yeah, feel for empathy. other people. Um, yeah, I've actually, uh, I'm actually curious as to, I'd like to talk to you about that, but, 
Um, I think his family is actually from Saigon, mm-hmm. uh, Ho Chi Minh, whatever you want to call it. Um, same city, but uh, and Saigon is a huge city too. So it's you'll in any big city in any developing country, you basically have the kind of the same theme. You'll have the extremely rich, like filthy rich, among the dirt, dirt poor, like people digging in garbage cans you know to feed their child and so um that's a hard thing to come to terms with is when you see an abundance of money right next to absolute poverty and filth and um it's like you'll get in cambodia it's really popular there's like it's like a gang type of thing, but these kids, it's like essentially you'll have your leader and these, they force the kids to go out and collect money all more all day. And then they have to give a cut to the leader and then they get to keep a little bit. And these kids are literally, I mean, barefoot in shorts, no shirt on. And I mean, the shorts are tattered, dirty. I mean, they're filth covered, like their hair's dreading up because they haven't wa- haven't had a, had a bath in months. And so, I mean, but every stoplight you come to, you're getting about four or five of them. And you just can't give them all money. Yeah. You can't. It's just, even if you wanted to, you really can't do it. It's just not possible. And so that's when it gets hard, when you literally constantly have to, it's like this fight of, do I be like, no, sorry, I'm sorry, every single time? Or do I not look at them? And then I hate and then to you that. dehumanize them. And, yeah. 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 And then it becomes, and on top of it, like to them, I'm in really nice clothes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a, they're not really that nice. They're not expensive but here. It's just a clean pair of pants and a, and a clean, plain shirt to them. That's really, really nice clothes. And to, but it's hard knowing that how they view me and just being like, no, sorry, I can't, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's hard. I mean, it, there's been times where I've laid down and just been like, this is a struggle. Like just even going anywhere is a struggle, but because you feel bad. I mean, it's not, in, it's not intrinsically like your fault or anything. No. It's just the, the circumstances. It's not your fault at all. It is. You're yeah, right. It's just the circumstances, but man, those circumstances are hard to deal with sometimes. And, um, it's just, I've, I definitely have learned a lot. And really what I've learned, I kind of go back and forth, but I think that under, so long as people will have their needs needs met, their basic needs, food, shelter, a family, you know, or a a society that loves them, Mm -hmm. like not necessarily a family, but some, like a tribe of some sort, some place where they feel welcome, food, they have their basic needs met. Most people are good. Most people are good. That's not, you can't generalize everything mm-hmm. ever, you know, but because like, uh, I, I truly believe that most people are good and there's a few bad apples. I kind of have thought of whether most people are bad and there's some good ones in there, mm-hmm. but I generally believe that most people around the world across every single culture are good if they have their basic needs met. And they don't have trauma. And tra- um, well, yeah, trauma, but that's that's the extenuating circumstance, yeah. you know, not necessarily extenuating, but that is a circumstance that causes different results for sure. But the point being, I think most people are good and generally we're all people 
Now, I understand the ideas of borders. Like, you have to have borders in today's age, and I get it. Like, it even talks about sapiens. In sapiens, they talk about these are all... They're just stories. Yeah, it's, myth. it's a myth. Yeah. Governments don't physically exist. What's a government? Is it the people? Because the people can be replaced with more people. Right. Is it the buildings? Because you can destroy those buildings and build more buildings. The idea of government exists in our head. Right. And I understand why they exist. And there is importance behind them. And it is necessary now. You can't go back on it now. It's too right. far along. But more than anything, we're just people. And all the immigrants that are trying to come into this country are doing the same thing that any, if you reverse the roles. So I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews that I would give my life for. And if I was, if I thought that I could walk a thousand miles or whatever it is and get them to a better life, hell yeah, I would do it. Yeah. I would do any illegal thing I could to ensure that the people I loved were better off. So it's like, well, in the right circumstances, I mean, like right now you probably wouldn't because they're not struggling yeah. in the first place. Exactly. But if you're coming from a place where like you're scared for your life, you're worried about what are your opportunities are. If you're afraid that, that, that if you feel unsafe regularly, yeah, you would take them out of that situation. I just kind of hope that through listening to this and what I really hope happens is people are inspired to have their own experiences yeah. like that. Because I don't know if you can really learn a lesson that profound just by hearing a podcast. And that's it. But, but you're right. It's a, the experience of it itself. Yeah. Like I haven't been to other countries in third world countries, but I've, I've worked in schools. I've seen the impact that poverty can have. And I can, I've seen how young people like we, I touched on it earlier, like the trauma and how that trauma can, can create a person that without context you would see as like a low life or a scumbag or yeah. a piece of shit and like person, like a terrible person. But then you have a conversation with that person. You're like, Oh, that's just a person, but it's just a person who's learned this, this, these patterns of behavior that are not valued by our society. And we view them as less than, and I want to try to create in this small little community, a place where people just love each other and yeah. where compassion is the theme of your interactions with other people and it's also the themes of your perspective about how things should be oriented and organized like let's let's reduce suffering let's love each other and let's realize that not only are we all people but we are all basically just an amalgamation of subatomic particles yeah. that were forged in the heart of stars yeah so like exactly. you're the same thing as everything else so yep. realize it and with you know we're all the same but in like you were saying earlier it's all about understanding people in context mm -hmm. you know so we all began as the same thing and we're all human beings uh, we're all sapiens yeah um that start off with essentially the same like we come out we're the same yeah but the experiences from there on may be entirely different yeah and so there's actually been countries where i felt really unwelcome like in laos uh the country's beautiful but i just didn't overwhelmingly feel very welcomed by the people there because you were a tourist I yeah i think so like there were some cities like luang prabang wang prabang i don't know how you pronounce it mm -hmm. um 
that I was at, yeah, it was all right. I didn't feel like an outcast. But then everywhere in between, like you stop at a place to get food. Like um, to, you, I was taking buses all the way around the country. So it's like you, your bus stops, and you get off and it's just like, I mean, I, people would cut you in line and people like you'd ask for something and they just ignore you. And you're like, I'm trying to give you my money right now. <laughs> like, let me give you money yeah. so I can have this thing so I can eat or, or whatever. Just, just general. But also at the same time, it's like after I've watched, you know, Western culture has definitely helped some cultures, other cultures, but it's also destroyed people's heritages and people's way of life. Even like, not intentionally, just because. Yeah. And so it's like, I can almost understand the resistance to just like, I'm also against generalizing an entire culture and thinking that everybody from an entire culture is bad. So it's this weird paradox of like, I get it. It's not necessarily right, but I can sympathize with it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that that way, because that's something he talks about in Sapiens. He talks about how like, you can talk about the individual and you can say, you can talk forever about an individual, but then you can also talk about the human species as an entity itself. Mm -hmm. Like we are one species and the way that we, there, there, you, it can be explained why certain cultures behave certain ways or have certain tendencies or have certain traditions. And, you know, like he talked, we talked about religion earlier. Yuval talks about religion in his book. It's another one of those stories that we just use to organize ourselves on large scales. Yeah. And um, once we realize, once you get down to like the, the nuts and bolts of everything, it really does try to put things into perspective. It can help you put things into perspective. Yeah. But then you realize, fuck, why, every why is everything so fucking complicated? Like, how am I supposed to actually try to navigate all of this with all of this information coming from everywhere? And so I don't, I understand how people find themselves in situations where their point of view is less than compassionate towards mm -hmm. their, towards people, even living in the exact same community as them. Because they are also just really like their DNA, which mm -hmm. varies a little bit, and then their experiences. Yeah. So, but what I'm hoping is that I can encourage people to have experiences that might change their point of view. Yeah, and it's it's a, also an interesting thing to think about the fact that um, you can have two different people with very, very similar experiences and have two different results. Oh, you yeah. Know, like, so you can have someone that experiences trauma and it makes more of an affectionate or empathetic person because they don't want to see other buddy, anybody else experience trauma like that. Or just in certain, in certain cases, people who are abused become abusers, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's really an interesting dynamic to see. I mean, everybody just handles it so insanely different. So you don't, there's just never a uniform way to handle these situations. But not without sounding like a hippie again, but love's definitely the answer. Yeah. You know? You're right. Compassion. That's it. I mean. You do sound like a hippie. But, I know. But I'm, I know. When I'm I say with that, you on it, though. I'm totally I, there. When I say it that way, I do, it does make me sound like a hippie. But it's just like, you know, we're the human race. Mm -hmm. and we're all in this together. And like I was saying, you know, governments are imagined. So like, 
we drew these borders. These mm-hmm. borders don't physically exist. When humans die, those borders die with it. Yeah. You know, like it's what's there's no there's nothing natural other than like eating and shitting mm-hmm. and you know fucking you know those yeah. are those are those that's what's natural but borders and and yeah i don't know they serve a purpose but we should yeah exactly we ha- but because we create them and we and we created them for a reason yeah we and can make them serve the ultimate purpose exact, for us that's that's a that's good way to put it 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 depends on what our purpose is and our purpose should be like you were saying yeah to love one another and to invest in each other and i'm trying that's what i'm trying to do on a small scale with this let me ask you are you really into human psychology because you mentioned a book you read earlier about human psychology where do you think that comes from i'm really into psychology in terms of uh more of an evolutionary way like why we evolved to have these feelings as mm-hmm. opposed to like, um, you know, if this happens, you're more likely to experience this or, or uh, that's a weird example, but it, based off of evolutionary, like I was telling you about the isolation, you know, before isolation, uh, the reason feelings of isolation are bad for us or they produce so many negative feelings for us is because at one point in history, isolation from your tribe would mean certain death. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested in, or like why jealousy exists or you were also talking about non-monogamy um, or polyamory and how that works for others and how it doesn't. So I'm always interested in like what those factors are. Actually, I just did 23andMe. Oh, really? Yeah. That's got, cool. I'm liter- they're literally mapping or what are they, mapping my genotype yeah. or something like that. They're doing it right now. So um, I haven't got the results. But so like from evolutionary... I, I'm ex- I'm excited about or I, I'm interested in learning about why so I'll go to a country a lot of times and I'll actually research their history because that gives me an insight into why government structures are the way they are, why the people are the way they are, why they have these laws or why they have this view of the world. Um uh and but likewise on a world scale, I like to learn about evolution and psychologies because that just gives an insight into why the world is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Not just, and then you can break it down into more specific regions and cultures and subdivisions there. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in psychology, but more of an evolutionary perspective. When, when I think about it like that, there is a lot of psychology that doesn't necessarily take that perspective of like, wh- how, why did we evolve to have these experiences? Mm-hmm. But when, once you become like, once you take an evolutionary view, which if you're reading Sapiens, it sounds like, yeah. You have, and so have I, um, you start to kind of realize, and I was introduced to this probably through Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, one of those, those really super smart brothers, Brett, Brett Weinstein. Okay. He's an evolutionary biologist. And once you take that perspective, you realize that like, that's really the context we should be viewing most things through. Yeah. Cause that's how we got here. So like there is definitely evolutionary psychology makes a lot of sense exactly. as the way that you would try to view human psychology. I mean, we're animals. Well, yes, exactly. We're animals. Just, just in the sense that, uh, there's really fucking smart monkeys who can yeah. tell lies. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely it's like they talk about in sapiens you know not to revert back to that every time but like they he talks about it's 
the difference between us is that we can imagine stuff that doesn't exist. Yes. All animals exist in the world that they know. Mm -hmm. They see a tree, they know trees exist. They see another monkey, they know another monkey exists. But they can't conceptualize the idea of space. Right. They don't, they don't know that, you know, a, a camel in Morocco doesn't know that North America exists. Right. You know? So they can, so, but that's what really the biggest factor that separates us from animals. But outside of that, our, our DNA, our genetics are the same in the fact that like, um, you know, like it's, there's, um, innate factor, like, uh, birds know to migrate. Yeah. They don't have to be told to migrate, mm -hmm. you know? And we have those same things. We have these natural feelings. Yeah. We're 90, like 98% chimp. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, it's crazy the differences that we have in our societies between a chimp and us. Mm -hmm. And it's just that small 2% change mm -hmm. that really went wild. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. And so I think it's all, it's just, it all relates to each everything, mm -hmm. how we treat each other. Um, you know, like the fact that, yeah, I don't even know how to articulate exactly what I'm trying to say right now. That's because but. that book is so fucking dense because Yuval Noah Harari is a fucking genius. I'm glad you know how to say his name. I, I, the only reason <laughs> I know is because you should check out Armchair Expert. That's Dak Shepard's podcast. Okay. He he had him on as a guest. Oh, nice. It was awesome. Is that a is that an, an, kind of an informational slash comedy podcast? Or? He, he does a lot of interviews with celebrities. Okay. Because he is one, yeah, yeah. But he he has one. He call he has a series that he calls Experts on Expert. Ooh, nice. And he'll have really into he'll have public intellectuals on. He has he's had his Sam Harris on twice. Um, the reason I'm reading, um, Sam Harris's book, it's called Waking Up and an Introduction to Spirituality Spirituality Without Religion, is because of a conversation that he had. Because you know Sam Harris was like a big time like I'm an atheist. Yeah. And that was kind of like the point of view I had of him for a while. And when I wasn't an atheist, I was like, this guy seems like he's kind of an asshole. Because he was very, he was not shy about trying to change people's point of view. Yeah. And he wasn't going to, and he did not harbor ignorance well. He did not, um, if you were coming at him from an ignorant perspective, he was going to tell you why you were wrong. And he wasn't necessarily going to be. He wasn't going to be cruel about it, but he wasn't yeah. going to necessarily be nice about it. Yeah. So I didn't like his point of view. And then it was really interesting to hear him start talking about like mindfulness meditation and like how much he's benefited from that point of view. And like mm -hmm. um, how he talks a lot in this book, I haven't finished it, but he talks about Buddhism a lot. And he's like, there are aspects of it that are like all religions that are completely subjective and that like you can kind of get lost in the woo, like karma. He's yeah. not about karma. He's yeah. like, karma probably doesn't exist, but no. he's like, you can take these these practices and these concepts and you can test them in the laboratory and you can see the impact that they have. Like you can yeah. see the impact that meditation has physiologically, like by actually like mapping brain, but yep. also like just the way that people report the impact it has on their lives. And I meditate not enough, but I do it. And when I do it, then my day is markedly better yeah. on days that I have really focused and like committed myself to being mindful that day and to paying attention to what I'm doing and not letting myself get distracted. Um, it's something I massively need to work on. Like I know the benefits of meditation yeah, and I do it far less than I should. 
Me too. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's a discipline. Yep. It is a discipline. And I suck at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I try to talk to my kids about it before I leave. I've been trying to like really harp on them about like, for, for me, what it really, what mindfulness really is, is it's like, are you paying attention to the life that you're having? Are you letting yourself get distracted constantly? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like, are you distracted by how you feel because you're anxious or are you distracted by like, what you, what you're bringing in to entertain you to keep, sometimes you choose you want to be distracted yeah exactly you, you allow know? yourself to be because it's better than facing what you actually might have to deal with but yeah it's it's interesting that you mentioned karma they believe that uh, hindu also they have that belief mm-hmm. and reincarnation also but like i don't and i don't believe obviously i don't believe like karma is this direct thing you do good things and the universe is going to provide good things for you but i think like if you're a if you do good things and you are a good person, there is some level of like, um, people are going to want to do good things for you. And just like this internal peace, you know, like, okay, I am a good person. I know this. And, uh, that provides some type of like internal happiness from that. So I don't think it's like this direct, like what you put out is what exactly what you'll get back, you know, like, or cause bad people get good things all the time. And good people get bad things all the time. It's not this direct, but I think there is some type of like internal peace that you get from being good. I agree with that a lot. I was actually thinking about that the other day because I was listening, I was following somebody on Facebook actually, and they were talking about karma and they were doing it in like a very woo kind of like magical way. Mm -hmm. And as I always do when I'm on social media, I would really desire to make a comment and then I choose immediately afterwards not to say anything because I'm not trying to open up a can of worms. But sometimes I'll play that thought experiment. Like what would I say here if I was going to say something? And then I realized like, I can't, I wouldn't just be able to say that karma is bullshit because you're right. There definitely is something to Mm -hmm. people who, who bring more positivity to the table, receive more positivity. For sure. People who are kind to others receive more kindness. Um, and that, that I think is maybe where that concept started. But And if it's like people that manifest these good things are probably just more likely to be happier. It's like people that are trying to be happy mm-hmm. and trying to do good things are just happier people. Yeah. You know, like, so... Those people are definitely gonna pre- like be more satisfied. You just said you just said the word manifest. Are you are you a secret? Are you nope. a secret person? I don't. Be- <laughs> nope. Nope. I don't believe. It. I don't believe in that. Like you gotta manifest. It is a word that exists that does have an actual definition, but I don't believe in the fact of like you have to manifest. It's like well, manifesting involves hard work. Yeah. You know, I didn't. People are like, oh, you just like if you manifest it, it will come. It's like well. There's a lot of people that are trying to manifest food in Africa, yeah, and they're not manifesting food. Yeah. I was just bullshitting you. <laughs> no, honestly. Have you seen that movie? The one uh, my wife watched it the other day. I was kind of in the room. It was. It's got like it's got a uh, Harry Potter girl in it. Hermione. Hermione. It has Hermione. Uh, Emma Watson. Emma Watson. <laughs> yeah. And she and it's a true story about these like teenagers who broke into these celebrities' homes in like Beverly Hills and like they were just we were just jumping a fence, walking up to these celebrities homes and the doors were unlocked and they go inside and they were like fucking hanging out in Paris Hilton's house and stealing a bunch of shit. They stole a bunch of shit from like, uh, Legolas, uh, Orlando, Orlando, they stole a bunch of his shit. And like, now they're like fucking Instagram famous because everybody like followed them because they were broken. So like, Oh, this is recent. This was definitely 
in the past, I think it was in 2012 or 2013. Recent enough. Recent yeah, enough, yeah. yeah. So now that they're like social media famous because they got all this, but one of the, in the movie, Emma Watson's mom is always talking about like they're big time into the secret and they're big time like trying to manifest positivity. Mm-hmm. And so like, it's just, it's, that's something. Uh, the secret is the book that was written about that, right? Yeah, I think okay. it's Oprah. Oprah yeah. maybe didn't write the book, but it was like a big thing that she's about. Like you can just, if you desire something enough, like it manifests itself. Yeah. <laughs> That's what someone who's like Oprah, who's gotten everything she's yeah. ever wanted, feels. Yeah. If you just want it hard enough. Well, says the rich lady who has everything <laughs> that she wants. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, dude, we've been going now for two hours and 30 minutes. Oh, what? Yeah. No way. It's one thing. Oh, my God. It. So is there anything else not. that you want to talk about in particular that you feel like you want to touch on that you didn't get a chance to? Man, um, I don't feel like we've talked about, I don't feel like we've talked for two and a half hours, but I feel like we've also covered a lot at the same time. We have covered a lot. Yeah. My thing is, so a lot of people, we, we talked about this earlier, is that a lot of people think they see my Instagram or um, my social media. And just like anything, you're presenting the best part of yourself. Yeah. Um, and people all, I, I do get a lot of comments and not to sound, um, cocky or anything, but I do get a lot of comments about, like, Oh, like you live the life. You're so lucky. Um, and for me, it's just a life, you know, like I was telling you earlier, it's like everyone around me in, in Northern California are, they're all cannabis farmers. So to them, it's just, Oh, you work a job. It's just a normal job. Um, and to the travelers you meet, oh, it's just another traveler, you know, or the raft guides that I meet, they're not like, oh my God, you're a raft guide? Because they're raft guides. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's just the life I live and it's not anything exceptional. Um, and just in a sense that I don't like just in the sense that people think it's crazy. Sometimes the things that I do are like a lot of people worry about stability. That's their biggest thing. But like, what, what about your, like, how do you, aren't you worried about the future or, cause I used to just kind of make, like I was telling you, I used to just get up and go anytime Mm -hmm. I had something. I was like, Oh, I'm cool. That sounds like a good opportunity. Let's, let's make that happen. Um, but just in the sense that people think that's crazy to me personally, like I was saying earlier also is that, the kids and signing a lease on a house that puts me in this one place for this extended period of time. That's more making a year long commitment or two year commitment or anything is way scarier to me than, than buying a plane ticket tomorrow and and going Mm -hmm. and going to Bolivia, you know, like, so to me, it's a normal life. Um, and, with that normal life comes the same trials and tribulations, just different. It's all relative, mm-hmm. you know, just as somebody has to worry about losing their job or feeding their kid, uh, or, you know, all the normal stresses of life. I have my normal stresses. It's just my normal stresses, which are normal to me are different than everybody else's, you know, like shitting myself in public. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't consider that as a fear, but, Every time I go travel, that is a major fear of mine. Getting trapped in a city with a bunch of people who don't speak the language you speak. Exactly. For an unknown amount of time. To other people, that seems overwhelming. 
to me, it's manageable. And it's also like we were talking about earlier. It's one of those things like when you get in that situation and you come out on the other side just fine, that's an accomplishment. You're like, oh, if I could do that, then that's mm-hmm. easy, you know? So it's all relative. Yeah. Man. And then really the biggest thing is just care about others. That's yeah, it. that is. You nailed it. That's a perfect way to end this. Yeah, man. Chris, thank you so much for doing this. Dude, I've had an absolute blast. Isn't it fun? I love this. It's a time warp. You hear them say that on other people's podcasts, but like we really have been going two hours and 45 minutes. And it's just natural. Natural. Well, brother, next time you're in town, holler at me. Yeah. You see, I've got four mics. I see this. So we could do- You've never had a multi- Never guest. Ooh, I don't. I'm, I'm I, the logistics of it. The closest thing I've come is the other day we did a football party. I'm going to be careful about what I say because it's t- currently on the internet. <laughs> I don't want to get taken down. But we had a party to celebrate football, and I took a condenser mic, like a big fancy mic that picks up everything. Oh, in our room. nice, nice, nice. It it sounds poopy. Okay, it's not going to sound echo- as nice echoey, as this kind of far background distant, yeah. noises. Mm-hmm. You can hear the fan and stuff like that. It's not mm-hmm. great, but it's entertaining. So I'm going to kind of like I'm going to continue to work and try to figure out what this is. But I'd love to have you back on and do this again, maybe yeah. with a bunch of people. Hell yeah, man! Cool, dude. I'm always down. This was a blast. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much. I love you, dude. I love you too, man. Bye. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, part two. How good of a guest was Chris? He was freaking phenomenal. Check out his Instagram page, Forever Young and Traveling. It's awesome. It's beautifully curated. The pictures are amazing. You get to see all the cool shit that Chris is into, and it's freaking awesome. And speaking of Instagram, make sure you're sharing our page with all your friends, as well as the Facebook page and the group. Let everybody know what's going on. Share your favorite episodes. And if you really want to show your support, check out the Patreon page. For those of you guys who are already supporting the show on Patreon, you're listening to this on Sunday. So for anybody out there who's really interested in getting here part two in advance, think about becoming a Patreon patron. It's really, really appreciated. I hope everybody's having a fantastic Wednesday. Just a couple more days to the weekend and a brand new episode of Just Friends. So I'll see you guys on Sunday. I love you all. Bye.